Welcome to Searchlight, a survey through Scripture with Pastor John Corson. It is our desire to bring you a systematic study of the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, book by book. On our last Searchlight program, we began our first verse-by-verse study through the book of Judges. Pastor John told us that the book of Judges has many stories that illustrate spiritual principles that apply to our lives. And John also contrasted Judges with the book of Joshua that we recently completed here on Searchlight. Joshua talks of entering into the promised land through faith. In contrast, Judges talks of enjoying the promised land through faithfulness, that is, obedience. This illustrates the fact that we are saved by faith alone, but we will not enjoy our salvation unless we walk in faithfulness, unless we are obedient to God. As we now join Pastor John, he is telling us of the first military encounter in the book of Judges. Joshua, in his regime, under his rule, hey, they conquered the land completely, but there were still pockets of Canaanites that were holding up and hiding out. They needed to be taken on, rooted out. God left part of the responsibility up to this generation, the one after Joshua, to go through the mop-up operations. The war was already won, but there was still work to be done, just like for you and me. Our salvation is secure. Jesus won the war when he hung on that tree and cried victoriously, it's finished. But there's still work to do. Mop-up operations. And so, these guys would say, where do we begin? What should we do? And the Lord says, start with Judah. Judah shall go up and begin this mop-up operation. Why Judah? Well, the name Judah, of course, means praise. And praise always paves the way to victory. I see in this personally an indication that we see throughout the Old Testament where Judah is leading the way because praise always ought to have priority and precedence. I tell you this because I need to be reminded of this a lot. Praise needs to have precedence and priority. Praise paves the way to victory. When you're feeling blue, when you don't know what to do, when the enemy is all around you, send Judah out. That is praise. Let praise lead the way. Lift up your hands. Bow down your knee. Express your heart energetically and watch and see how the enemy is beaten back, how the blues are chased away. Judah was to lead out that day. Now Judah, verse 3, said to Simeon, his brother, Hey, come up with me into my lot, my territory, that we may fight against the Canaanites together. And I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So 
Simeon, the tribe of Simeon, went with the tribe of Judah. They were blood brothers from the same mother, Simeon and Judah. But also, as I mentioned Sunday, the tribe Simeon was small and was actually surrounded by, geographically, the more numerous, larger tribe of Judah, you see. So it made sense, both relationally and geographically, that Judah, the tribe, would say to Simeon, Simeon, within the, or surrounded by the tribe of Judah, and and blood brothers, same mother, you see, same dad, same mother. It's logical that Judah would say to Simeon, hey, come and help us, and then we'll help you. But was it right? Some commentators believe this shows cooperation, and that may be. But I suggest to you it's not so much an illustration of cooperation, but of cowardice. Because God didn't say Judah and Simeon. The Lord said Judah is to go and lead the way. Judah is to be engaged in the battle this day. Sometimes, though, the Lord puts something on your heart, my heart. What do we do? We get on the telephone and say, will you help me? See? I need some help on this. And oftentimes, it's the Lord saying, I called you to do this. I called you to take that on. I called you to trust in me. I called you to step out in faith, you see. But so often fear creeps in or we are down on ourselves or we doubt if God can really use me or use us that way. So we want somebody else to tag along or to set the pace or whatever it might be. And really, that is more likely what's happening here. God said, Judah, you go. Judah says, Simeon, you come with me. And Simeon agreed. So remember, folks, the old adage is true. You and God are a what? Majority. I know that's cliche-y, but it's true. You and God are a majority. You don't need anyone else to do what God has called you to do. Now, he may tell you to include others. That's wonderful. But listen, don't hold back. Don't pull away. Don't hide out because, hey, you feel inadequate or alone. God is with you. God is with me. Go for it. God said Judah, but Judah did what you and I so often do. Well, I need somebody else to come along too. So Simeon did that, and they went up, Judah went up, and the Lord, verse 4, delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. They slew of them in Bezek 10,000 men. And they found Adonai Bezek. Adonai Bezek, as we pointed out on Sunday, his name means literally the Lord, Adonai, the Lord of lightning or the Lord of fire. This guy was hot. (laughs) <laughs> so they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek. They fought against him, and they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. But Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued after him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his great toes. And again, we talked about that Sunday. You can get the tape. It's an interesting story. With his toes cut off, he was defeated. Believe me. He couldn't. <laughs> He couldn't run away. He couldn't get very far. Hey, he was defeated totally, totally, completely, totally defeated that day. 
He was totaled without his thumbs, and he was totaled without his toes. Couldn't hold a sword again, couldn't run off if he tried to. They cut off his thumbs and his toes. And Adonai Bezek, verse 7, his response to that was, 70 kings having their thumbs and their great toes cut off gathered their meat under my table. I did this to 70 other men over the years. I cut off their thumbs. I cut off their toes. And they had to scrounge for crumbs underneath my table. He says, I did that. So as I have done, God hath requited me. I deserve this. We talked about that in a commendable way on Sunday. This pagan heathen king understood a law of God, the law of sowing and reaping. If you cut down others, you're going to get cut down yourself. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he what? Reap. And if I am gossiping about others, or coming down on others, or being grouchy with others... If I'm doing those things to others, it's going to come back on me. Guarantee. And if I ever, if we ever truly believe that, that God is not mocked, that whatever you sow, you reap. Oh, you're forgiven, I'm forgiven. But the crop still comes up. The harvest still comes in. How that would affect us when we want to share that juicy tidbit or make fun of that person or complain about that situation. How it would affect us if we realized, whoa, this is going to come back on me. Adonai Bezek realized it. He was a man that had some basic spiritual understanding. I did this to others, and now it's coming back to me, and I deserve it, you see. Well, does that mean then everything we do is going to come back? Well, listen, good news for me and you. If any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Old things are passed away. The stuff that you did, that I did, that we did before we were saved. Another Adonai Bezek, the Lord of fire. Our Lord, he had his hands and his feet pierced. Not his thumbs and toes, but his hands and feet. And now he invites us to come and dine, not under his table for crumbs, but to come to his table and eat the bread and the wine, because you're forgiven, I'm forgiven, we have a fresh start. But be not deceived. We're new creatures, it's true. But if I continue on now in my new life, planting bad seed, it's going to come back and haunt me. Even though I'm forgiven, praise the Lord, I'm welcome to his table, I'm going to heaven what I do, yeah, I was reading this today in my own devotions in Luke's gospel. Jesus said, you need to understand that whatever you say in secret is going to be shouted from the housetops. That's sobering. If you really believe that, it's real interesting. You mean the things I whisper? Hey, Tammy, can you believe that somehow, some way, to some degree, that's going to be shouted from the housetops? Yes. Whoa. It should cause me, it ought to cause us to say, well, then in that case, I'm going to say good things about everybody I can. If I can't say something nice, I'm not going to say what? Anything at all. Listen to your mama. Your mama. Listen to her. It's true. So this guy, it came back on him, and they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died, toeless and thumbless. But he realized why.
Now, verse 8, the children of Judah had fought against Jerusalem and had taken it and smitten it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. Jerusalem at that time was held by the Canaanites. They conquered Jerusalem, but they didn't yet occupy it at this point in history. They set the city on fire by the edge of the sword. By the way, for you guys that like devotional thoughts, how is a city set on fire, whether it's Medford or Grants Pass or Ashland, by the edge of the sword? You get the word out. You talk about the things of the word. You give teachings from the word. You talk about the truths that are found in the word. And things begin to ignite it in the hearts of people, just like they ignite in you when you hear the word too. So Jerusalem at this time, the edge of the sword, and the city was set on fire. And yet they wouldn't yet take over the city. That wouldn't happen until many years later when a guy named David, King David, when he first came into power said, that's the city I want to be my headquarters, my capital. Thus Jerusalem is known as the city of David. But it would not yet be controlled by the Jewish people. Not until David came on the scene. Although it was conquered, it wasn't occupied. Afterwards, verse 9, the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites that dwelt in the mountains and in the south and in the valley or the low country. And Judah went against the Canaanites that dwelt in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba. And they slew Shishai. And Ahiman and Telmai. The name of Deber, verse 11, was before Kirjath Sefer. Now, Deber, the name means sanctuary, but the city was previously called Kirjath Sefer, which means city of the books, which means that it was a center of scholarship. A library was there. So it was previously a city of education and learning, but it became a city that was sanctified. It was used as a holy place, a sanctuary, you see. Caleb said, verse 12, this is Caleb now from our story in Joshua, the guy that was a compadre of Joshua, one of the two spies of the 12 that were sent in who did believe that God would give them the land. You might recall the story. Caleb said, he that smites Kirjath Sefer and takes it, to him will I give Aksa, my daughter, to wife. Now, we had this story back in Joshua 2. It's a, a replay of that story. Caleb said that day, we want to take that city of learning and make it a sanctuary. And the guy that leads the way and smites the city and brings victory, hey, I'm going to give my daughter to. Her name was Aksa. She must have been pretty good looking or else nobody would have taken him up on the challenge I suppose so we assume that she was probably fairly good looking and so Othniel verse 13 the son of Kenaz which was Caleb's younger brother or nephew the word can mean either thing younger brother or nephew he took it and Caleb gave him Oxa his daughter for his wife came to pass verse 14 when she came to him that is to Caleb that she moved him to ask of her father, uh, uh, pardon me, when she came to him, that is uh, Othniel, 
She moved him to ask of her father a field. She lighted off her ass, and Caleb said, What wilt thou? And she said unto Caleb, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the nether, or the lower springs. Caleb, as you might remember, this companion of Joshua. Joshua is a type or a picture of who? Jesus. Caleb, the one that traveled with him, not talked about as much, but who is right alongside of Joshua is a picture or a type of the Holy Spirit. See, lots of parallels that we talked about in a previous study. Caleb is a picture of the Spirit. Now the bride, listen, the bride, Oxa, goes and says, I want the upper springs and the lower springs. The bride asks for a double blessing. Water in the Bible is a picture, a type of the Holy Spirit. I don't want just the lower springs. I want the outpouring from upon high. I want the latter rain. I want the double blessing. That's the idea that I see here in this passage. The bride went in expectancy and asked for a double blessing, you see. She asked her father, Caleb, who is also a picture of the Spirit. Now, Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to who? Them that ask. And if you haven't yet asked the Father for the blessing, not just the lower blessing of salvation, which happened when you were saved, but the second blessing, the outpouring of the Spirit, go to your Father, just like this bride went to her Father. Go to your Father. Jesus said, your Father will give to you the Holy Ghost to them that ask. There really can be that second blessing. It's available to you. It's available for me, but it requires us to ask. And she did that, and it was given to her. I like that. Now, verse 16, the children of Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up out of the city of palm trees, which is Jericho, with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the south. And they went and dwelt among the people. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother. They slew the Canaanites, verse 17 says. Also, Judah, verse 18, took Gaza and Ashkelon and Ekron. Gaza is the place that's in the news all the time right now, the Gaza Strip. They're in the southern part of Israel, southwest on the Mediterranean shore. And that was the area that Judah took. Ashkelon, Ekron were Philistine cities even as that is an area today controlled by the Palestinians, you see, the Gaza Strip. So, they went, Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they slew these Canaanites. Judah also, verse 18, took the Gaza Strip. And the Lord was with Judah, and he drave out the inhabitants of the mountains. But Judah could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley Because they had chariots of iron. We'll come back to that. Judah was successful in the mountains, but he was discouraged and defeated in the valleys. That might happen to you. can happen to me. 
Ah, yeah, the mountaintop times. Hey, yeah, praise the Lord. But in the valleys, we feel overwhelmed, discouraged, despair. There's chariots of iron down there. Chariots of iron were like tanks in those days. They, the Jews, didn't have any chariots of iron. But Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. The problem is, as we shall see, they had their eyes on the chariots instead of on the Lord. The Lord, who in Psalm 68, verse 18 says, 20,000 chariots are his. The Lord the psalmist declares, rides upon chariots of fire. 20,000 chariots, chariots of fire, innumerable, awesome, invincible. But in the valley, the people of Judah, they saw these chariots and got freaked out, discouraged, you see. So they didn't engage the enemy. We can't do this, they said. Well, they gave Hebron, verse 20, unto Caleb, as Moses said. That's the place that Caleb wanted, was Hebron. And Caleb expelled the three sons of Anak. They were giants. Caleb, who was 85 at this time, says, Give me that area of Hebron, mountainous country, where the giants are, because they're bred for me. I'll scarf on them. All grow strong in doing battle with them. <laughs> I like Caleb. I like that mentality. But, verse 21, The children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem even to this day, the day of the writing of this book, Judges. By the way, Judges was probably written by Samuel the prophet. And the Jebusites would be in Jerusalem, until, again, David was anointed by Samuel to be king and then moved into power years later and took control of that city and drove the Jebusites out, you see. Well, verse 22, the house of Joseph went up against Bethel. The Lord was with them. And the house of Joseph sent to spy out Bethel. Now, the name of the city was Luz. And the spies, verse 24, they saw a man come forth out of the city, and they said, Show us, we pray thee, the entrance into the city, and we will show you mercy. And when he showed them the entrance into the city, then they smote the city with the edge of the sword, but they let that man and his family go. Now the man, verse 26, who showed them the way into the city, this man went to the land of the Hittites and built a city and called the name of it Luz which is the name thereof even unto this day. What a story. Here in verse 22 through 26, the sons of Joseph, they are going to battle against the people that were dwelling in a city called Luz, that would later be called Bethel. But they can't figure out how to get in because the walls go all around the city and there seems to be no entrance into the city. And they're confused, and they're confounded. Uh 
Unfortunately, they are going to have to be confused and confounded until our next program because we've run out of time for today. Please join us then as we continue to see what the Lord would speak to us in these stories. This teaching is also available on the Searchlight website at johncorson.com. You will also find on the website Pastor John's books and other Bible study resources. Again, the address of the website is johncorson.com. That's J-O-N-C-O-U-R-S-O-N.com. Pastor John has often encouraged us to spend time each day contemplating the Word of God. One great way to do this is with a daily devotional. Pastor John has put together three daily devotionals that cover the entire Bible. A Pillar by Day and A Day of Feasting are taken from the Old Testament. A Day's Journey is a devotional from the New Testament. Each daily devotional has 365 short meditations and are presented in John's insightful and practical style. You may order each daily devotional from our website at johncorson.com. Searchlight is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate your prayers and support. May the Lord richly bless you.